a donkey brayed. The noise startled a figure huddled on the floor and woke it from an uneasy sleep. I am Zonus, son of Theodorus and freeborn, a voice moaned hoarsely. Your commander promised me protection. The man came to his full senses, rolled over and struggled to sit up. The place was dark, his arms were bound. He was dazed from a spear butt that had cracked open his head, and as he tried desperately to discern something more than the narrow slit of light under a plank, only one fact was clear. He had been flung into a stinking hut where nobody would find him and left there to die. Fortune, whom he worshipped and who had always protected him, had deserted him at the finish. My head! His lips could hardly form the words. Thirst tortured him most. And even if a mule train passed outside the hovel where he was lying, what slaves could hear so weak a voice pleading for water? He sank to the ground again and listened. Was that a soldier fumbling at the latch? Maybe the Numidians were coming back to see if he were dead. He heaved himself over and rolled towards the threshold. It was better to be killed outright than to linger in agony here. Oh, to smell the grass again and to breathe fresh air! Instead of this sodden mixture of horse dung, mould in his own blood, that one instant would be worth all that he had ever known of happiness. They had tied his legs together carelessly so that he could move them a little, but the ropes round his wrists bit into him as sharply as a small viper had once caught him when he had turned over a stone. The previous days, how far away they seemed, went round and round with the pain as he let his head drop forward on his knees. The Iberian! Oh, why had he ever listened to that thief on a false spring afternoon when the winds were still and the sun had shone for a few hours to trick men into believing that winter was over? The Carthaginians need bridles, the man had whispered, because it was dangerous to talk about the enemy even in the open fellowship of the waterfront. The western harbours are solidly for Rome and only a couple of ships got through to Croton last summer. The fellow had said the words as if he were describing an unimportant incident outside in the street. They have plenty of gold, but not enough leather. What a fortune a man could make if he could take them what they need. It had sounded plausible enough in the tavern at Formii, where half the people round him were his neighbours. A Greek captain with a knucklebone on his hand had looked up at him and smiled. Some dice had slipped from a sailor's fingers, and a dog had run off with one of them before its owner could stoop to pick it up. He could see the faces now as if they were still round him, a stranger from the hills with five black olives on a saucer, the fair-haired Gaul who had once been a slave. Yes, how lightly he had said that word without a thought of where it was taking him. But suppose the Numidians catch me on the road. They would take the bridles and clout me on the head. Now it was true. He contracted his shoulders to try to ease the pain in his arms. Not with this. The Iberian had glanced behind him and had then slid a leather tablet towards him about the size of his palm. Show this to any soldier you meet and he will take you directly to his commander. You are my friend. We've eaten and drunk together. I will let you have it for a single silver denarius. It was not the spiced wine that the rogue had given him. He had actually drunk only one more cup than usual. It was the lamb. He had rejected a sleek, black-nosed creature for its leaner, cheaper fellow at the great February feast, where all traders sacrificed to fortune and implored protection for their summer journeys. Have pity, he moaned, 
seeing the impassive figure with the swirling marble hair that stood inside the temple. I was not keeping the coins for myself. It was the fodder. The prices rose three times last year. How could he make an offering at all if he could not feed his mules? And the savings? He almost heard a voice speaking to him, although it was only a thought tumbling round his aching, troubled head. It was true that he had dug them up from beside the bush where he had buried them to buy ten bridles made in the African manner from the Iberian, the leather token and the name of a village where, as the man had said, any child will tell you where to go for the sale. He had disregarded the innkeeper's warning, although they had been friends since boyhood. Throw that token away, his friend had said. It might help you if you were questioned in a town, but suppose you meet a Numidian on a lonely path. I will sell him the bridles and then come back to for me the sooner for you to rob me of my profits, he had joked. He, Zonus, who had known the road and its dangers since he had been no higher than the packstrap on a mule. No, he had angered fortune. The knowledge smarted as sharply as the cuts on his arms, and she had taken away his wits. Save me, he groaned, and I will offer you the fattest sheep I can buy with the first coins I earn. The journey had been inauspicious from the start. He had not even told the innkeeper the name of his destination, but had joined a group of traders with his servant and two mules, and travelled with them towards Frusino until they had come to a narrow valley a week beyond Formi. He had known he was wrong when he had made a pretext to stay behind. He had felt uneasy walking along the rough track. What should have been fields were a mass of fallen stones. They had found a village after a day's march, but when he had followed the Iberian's instructions and said, I suppose you see a few strangers among these hills? The headman had looked at him with a blank, almost hostile expression and had not answered. He had sold two cups the following day below their rightful price just for encouragement, and he would have returned to the Frosino road the following morning, but his best mule had fallen sick. They must have poisoned it and he had spent two more idle days drinking atrocious wine and eating the worst bread that he had ever tasted in his life. Even so, he would never have listened to the fellow who had sat down beside him one evening if fortune had not abandoned him. No, he would have distrusted the man at sight if he had been in his right mind. Uh, I suppose you have no bridles, the stranger had said. My um, brother-in-law in the farm that you can just see up there? He had flung his hand upwards. He's riding to Apulia next week. They had both smiled. At least he had discovered that the region knew that a detachment of the Carthaginian army was there in winter quarters. The latch rattled. Zonas lifted his head. The door did not move. It was probably the wind. Why had he left his servant behind with a sick mule to follow the stranger alone into the hills without taking one of the precautions that a boy learned before he was a month on the road? He had asked nobody in the village what they knew about the farm. He had taken all the bridles instead of one as a sample. He had hired no guard. It was worse than folly. It was madness. But, alas, he had cheated over the lamb. There were the tolls, he moaned, and the bribe to the guard last year at Minturney. He struggled violently to free himself in a turmoil of remorse and anger, but his head swam and his wrists began to bleed. "'Where is that farm?' his lips kept forming the words. 
He remembered that his second mule had stumbled over a long, cracked stone, and that was always an omen of bad trading. They had passed the place that he thought the man had shown him and gone higher up the steeper, narrower path. Where is the farm? He had stopped the mule, but the stranger had smiled reassuringly. Just round the corner, and my brother-in-law is waiting with a fowl and better wine than you have had for a week. The two horsemen must have ridden up behind them at that very moment. He had turned in terror, but the guide had greeted them, and the men had answered gaily in their own strange language. They were not as dark as he had expected, but their faces were cruel. It must have been while he was bending over the pack to get out the bridles that the spear-butt had fallen. Had he recovered consciousness for a moment? He seemed to remember laughter and the banging of a door. Since then he had floated in a nightmare of waves, each higher than the other, that had hurled weights of water over his arms and legs as he tried to swim to the surface and breathe. "'A sheep!' he moaned, coming to his senses for a moment. "'I will dedicate the fattest sheep that I can buy if I come out of this hovel alive.' But could he? The mules and the bridles had gone, and he was as penniless as a ship's boy an hour before sailing time. "'Pity me, fortune!' His voice cracked, and he sank into a state of half-consciousness until something brisk and huge, it was evidently a rat, scurried across his body. He struggled to his knees in disgust. He looked round. The door clattered, and this time it opened. "'Kill me!' he shrieked, trying to raise his fettered arms in supplication. Then, as a ray of light fell across the threshold, he found himself staring into the brown, liquid eyes of a thin, undersized donkey." Welcome. Hermes has sent you. An unexpected meeting with an ass was the luckiest thing that could happen to a trader.